When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forget about the way that Tony Soprano makes his way in the world. That's just to feed his children. There's two Tony Sopranos. You've never seen the other one. That's the one I want to show to you. On June 19th, 2013, James Gandolfini, the archetype of the 21st century mob character after six seasons of playing Tony Soprano, was visiting Rome with his 13-year-old son, Michael, for the Terramina Film Festival. He was being honored there for his work and was scheduled to speak in a roundtable discussion about his life and career. Gandolfini had planned to turn the trip into an opportunity to bond with his son, who just graduated junior high and had won a soccer championship. The mood was celebratory. They visited the Vatican, took in a few other sites during the day, and that evening, James and Michael dined at an outdoor restaurant called Boscolo Excedra at the Roma Hotel, and moderation was not on the menu. According to several reports from the time, James guzzled four shots of rum, two pina coladas, and two beers during the dinner, and dined on two orders of fried king prawns slathered in mayonnaise chili sauce and a huge helping of foie gras. As usual for Gandolfini, indulgence was the order of the day, and by all accounts he was in good spirits with Michael, who downed a couple virgin pina coladas himself. Around three hours after the meal, at around 10 p.m., Michael discovered his father seemingly in the throes of a massive heart attack in the bathroom of their fourth floor hotel room. It was too late. I'm Derek Kaufman. I'm Jason Beckerman. And this is Last Days, James Gandolfini. Michael immediately called for help, and hotel workers rushed up and attempted to resuscitate him. In a scene, really, Derek, that can only be found in Italy, they rushed six people up. They realized that he needed to be brought to a hospital immediately. They didn't have a stretcher available, so they wrapped him in the sheets from the bed, and they carried a man, this is a, an enormous man. They carried him, six men did, wrapped in a sheet, uh, down the elevator, down to the lobby, and rushed him out into an awaiting uh, ambulance. Uh, they brought him to the hospital right away. However, he was pronounced dead less than an hour later at a nearby hospital. He was just 51 years old. The coroner's report confirmed that Gandolfini had, in fact, died of a heart attack. And although Gandolfini had a well-known history with drugs and alcohol, doctors in Italy did not note any suspicious factors in the medical report and concluded the actor had died of natural causes. His family spokesperson, Michael Kobold, announced the findings at a news conference in Rome, and he was clearly trying to head off any rumors that drugs or alcohol may have contributed to the death and instead turned the focus back to returning Gandolfini's body back to the United States. Today we received the results of the autopsy, which stated he died of a heart attack of natural causes. The autopsy further states that nothing else was found in his system. 
Yeah, I remember this in the newsroom, Jason. We broke this story when it happened. And, you know, given the time differences, the story broke in Rome, Italy. There was a lot of uncertainty at the time as to what caused his death. The initial reports were that he had a massive heart attack. And, you know, James Gandolfini was a large man. He's nearly six feet two, 275 pounds. That didn't sound out of the ordinary. But we also knew that he had this history of drug and alcohol abuse that may have played a role. So you could see in Michael Kobold trying to get out ahead of this. He was a family friend and he just wanted to put out on the record that uh, this was a heart attack, purely natural causes, as quickly as possible to move the narrative. We see this all the time when there are deaths of massive stars, especially those who have suffered from substance abuse and weight issues in the past, that there is a rush to judgment in the news media that it must have been caused by one of these factors. And for good reason, the family wanted to get out in front of this and say that wasn't the case here. I do remember that day in the newsroom. We were, you know, when these story, these rumors start to flow in that Gandolfini has died, we have to make a thousand phone calls to verify the accuracy of that before we can go to print. And we did break the story. We're the first ones to report it. But it is a full, all hands on deck sort of endeavor to make sure, A, that obviously the, the death happened. That was pretty easy to, to, to verify. But then to not jump to any conclusions about what the causes of death are, and it is important for a family spokesperson to come like it because because falsehoods will fill the void in situations like that. And so they came out and got out in front of that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and that's exactly what happened here because, you know, James, as I said, was, was a larger man, but he wasn't like Chris Farley. He wasn't sort of out there sweaty all the time. So it wasn't clear what had caused his death. And I thought it was important that his family came out very quickly. Now, the tributes to the actor were widespread and immediate, particularly from his former castmates on The Sopranos, where he really made his mark. Uh, Edie Falco, who played Tony Soprano's wife Carmela on the show for many years, said in a statement, I'm shocked and devastated by Jim's passing. He was a man of tremendous depth and sensitivity. With a kindness and generosity beyond words, I consider myself very lucky to have spent 10 years as his close colleague. My heart goes out to his family as those of us in his pretend hold on to the memories of our intense and beautiful time together. The love between Tony and Carmela was one of the greatest I've ever known. Jim was never anything other than Tony, and which made it very easy for me to be nothing other than Carmela. So the experience of my marriage to him was as real as kind of any relationship I've had in a weird way. We, we see these tributes come out when famous people die, and their colleagues always come out and say nice things. You always say nice things about the dead. But we talked about this before. There was a real sentimentality when it came to, came to Gandolfini. He was really beloved by his castmates. And these stories existed long before his death about what a central figure he was in their lives. Obviously, with the exception of Edie Falco, none of these people that were on that show were particularly famous That's right. before he came along. And, and his character was so central. Obviously, David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, so central to their fame, to their uh, livelihood, et cetera that there was a lot of reasons for them to love him, but they clearly loved the man himself as well. Yeah, that's the, that's the common theme you hear through these uh, sort of tributes to him. Lorraine Bracco, who played Dr. Jennifer Melfi and was also a, sort of a celebrity in her own right in the mafia world already. Well, she had been in Goodfellas, good that's right. Uh, she came out and, and her comment was particularly gutting. She said, we lost a giant today. I'm utterly heartbroken. When you see these short sentiments without sort of the full context of who the person is, you really see the emotional impact that his loss and the suddenness that everyone was dealing with. Yeah. Um, Michael Imperioli, who was Christopher Moltisanti on the show, wrote, James Gandolfini was a great friend and a great actor. Tragic loss. What's most interesting is, remember, The Sopranos was, in large part, although it was a mafia show, was a family show. The show was was about Tony's relationship with Carmela and his two As a matter of fact, two, that was the central fulcrum, which, which all the mafia action took place around the family itself. He was a man yes. in full in the mafia world, a boss without, without peer. Uh, in in the mob world, in his family life, he was 
just like any other dad who doesn't quite know what to do with his kids. That's right. And as a result, you had these two actors who were kids and really yeah. grew up with with uh, James Gandolfini as sort of a, a father figure and a leader on the show. Uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler, who played Meadow Soprano on the show, literally grew up before our eyes during the show, said she was heartbroken by the loss. She said, I spent 10 years of my life studying and admiring one of the most brilliant actors, yes, but more importantly, one of the greatest men. Jim had the ability, unbeknownst to him, to make you feel like everything would be all right if he was around. I treasure my memories with him and feel so honored that I was an up-close witness to his greatness. HBO got a private plane to bring everybody that lived in California to go to New York uh, to be there for his funeral. And it was surreal because how many times had we done funeral scenes as a cast and to sort of lay to rest sort of our leader. He was the sun and we were the planets all around him. You can hear her voice breaking there yeah. uh, at the end of that clip and it's it's sort of it's sort of heartbreaking to hear because he really was sort of a father figure and a role model to her what's uh, what also is interesting from that is how she's talking about this life imitating art they had done so many funerals together and now in real life they have to go to his funeral together which sort of brings us to the impossibility of overstating how perfectly suited Gandolfini was for the role of the middle-aged uh, New Jersey, New Jersey mobster, mobster right? He was, uh, you know, he himself had grown up in western New Jersey. Uh, his mother, a food service worker. His father, a bricklayer. He was a native who had also a native of northern Italy. Um, they were, you know, these were down. Salt of the earth. Salt kind of, of the people. earth. Devoutly Catholic. He was raised devoutly Catholic. Uh, physically imposing. Six foot two. Weighed about 275 pounds, as you said earlier. No surprise that he would end up playing heavies in several early films in the 1990s. He was a mob enforcer in True Romance, a Russian tough guy in Terminal Velocity, and another mafia strongman in The Juror. But it was his role as the bearded ex-stuntman with a southern accent in Get Shorty that showed his depth and talent. One of my favorite movies. I loved Get Shorty before Get Shorty was cool. I, that was phenomenal. It's a Travolta movie. Yes. I don't know if you've seen it recently. I, I've seen it. It's the first time he's funny. You know, you saw him Gandolfini in the heavies. is. That's Gandolfini right. Gandolfini is hilarious in the movie. Yeah, he plays kind of adult. He doesn't play a very smart guy, but he plays it with, with a plum. He had comedic timing, a sensitivity, a vulnerability that matched his imposing, his, sort of was at, contrary to his imposing presence presence on the screen. It was this combination of qualities that really did make him perfect for the role of Tony Soprano. Yeah, but what's fascinating is to Gandolfini himself, this was a man who was classically trained at the actor's studio. That's yeah. you, This was not this was not a, a, a ruffian who sort of came up and found acting. He's a man classically trained. That's exactly right. He wasn't plucked off the street because he looked a certain right. way. He was a classically trained actor. Um, it, so it's not a role he ever really expected to land. It's not like he saw himself as a, as a, as a sort of mafia tough guy. In Vanity Fair article from 2012, he, saw, he, he said... I thought that they would hire some good-looking guy, not George Clooney, but some Italian George Clooney, and that would be that. Um, he went on to say, I think you cared about Tony because David, the the creator David of Chase, David yeah. Chase of The Sopranos, was smart enough to write the Greek chorus through, Tony, through Tony's psychiatrist, Dr. Melfi. So you sat there and you got to see his motives, what he was thinking, what he was trying to do, what he was trying to fix, what he was trying to become. And then you saw it didn't really work out the way he wanted it to. And this is, to me, the most telling thing about... James Gandolfini as an actor is you can hear in his words the generosity he had even though he was the center of this show he was the sun around all around which everyone revolved he was very giving he he leaned on the chorus to tell these stories and that's why everyone enjoyed sort of working with him because he was one of those actors who though the camera was on him most of the time he was all about everyone else 
Nobody ever really questioned that Gandolfini would reap great success, and he did. It was obvious he was a man of enormous talent, uh, but he also had appetites to match. You touched upon this a little bit. As we mentioned, many years before his death, he had struggled with alcohol and cocaine. He publicly admitted to battling alcoholism, and lots of other details about his personal life were aired during his divorce from his first wife, Marcy Wodowski, in 2002. Uh, Wodowski, who who flew to Italy in the wake of his death, obviously you had mentioned that his son, uh, t- their son, was Michael. present. Michael was present w- w- in the room when James died, uh, and she, as the mother, flew to be with her son. Uh, she had said in in, in court proceedings that uh, Gandolfini would go on benders that included kinky sex with other women, and mentioned that he did cocaine with some of the Sopranos castmates. It's important to say that Gandolfini denied many of the more lurid accusations but and claimed that Wodowski was mentally unstable, but he didn't deny that he had problems with alcohol and drugs. Uh, and it was it's, it's really hard in hindsight to say how serious he was about those efforts. There's some anecdotal reports coming out of New York in the wake of his death that although he attended several AA meetings, there were a lot of people who said that he didn't really take them very seriously. Uh, one source said, despite the fact he was going to AA meetings, he uh, was known to blow lines and drink like an Irish sailor on weekend leave. Yeah. So although he would have these bouts of sobriety within uh, sort of these struggles, it never really seemed like he was a guy who was committed to the full recovery. He never sort of swore off the things, even though uh, that's why there were reports on the night of his death that he guzzled alcohol, right. had four shots of right. rum. So he wasn't sort of an AA person after having these struggles, but he also wasn't in the throws of uh, you know chemical dependency, right, exactly. as the autopsy report showed. Now, he matched this penchant for excess with a fiery intensity in his acting craft itself. Um, There were reports that Gandolfini was so intense and hard on himself during the filming of The Sopranos that he would punch himself in the face when he made mistakes on set. And so you start to get a portrait of a guy. You really do. You're painting a picture, right? This is is a man who's hopelessly intense. Yes. No matter what he does, he's acting, he's punching himself in the face on set to amp himself up to play the role and then also has the cocaine and alcohol addictions. It all sort of paints a a cohesive picture. Yeah, you get the sense that the guy doesn't have an off switch, basically. You know those type of people who are just amped up. And this is a guy who, why why he could make such incredible art was because of these qualities also become the same qualities that are your undoing. Uh, In one incident from February 2002, he didn't show up to shoot a scene at a Westchester County airport for The Sopranos. Um, And he called in four days later from a Brooklyn beauty salon that he wandered into from the streets. And so you're starting to see that some of these excesses were catching up with him and he would often be maybe unreliable. But you would think that would lead to the actors on the set being frustrated and not liking working with him. Couldn't be further from the case. Although he created these headaches on the set and he was the star of the show, he would lavish his castmates with these incredible sushi lunches, fancy massages to apologize. And the response from his castmates in the broader acting community showing that they absolutely adored him shows that even though he was this headache, he was a lovable headache. Just imagine being on set with him. He's such a pain in the ass, right? One time he shows up four four days late, just doesn't check in for four days. Costing costing the production tons Tons of money. Tons of money. At this point, it's the the most popular show in the world, and they're making millions and millions of dollars, but... You know, what a pain in the ass to deal with. But then he shows up with a plate of sushi and he comes, come on, everybody. How are going to stay mad at Jimmy? (laughs) How are we going to stay mad at Jimmy? Right. So he was, Gandolfini remained active. Sopranos ends and, uh, you know, on its own volition, it was still hugely popular. And it is one of those popular shows on HBO. They will talk about it in a minute, but they launched the the, the prequel movie. But the, the Sopranos had a new life. Millions of people, again, watched it. It's been hugely successful. But Gandolfini was really active 
Between the time The Sopranos act ended, right up until his passing, several projects featuring him were released after his death. It was clear he was really trying to break free from the long shadow of the role of Tony Soprano, that shadow that had cast over his career. The opportunity had been incredible, obviously, but for Tony Soprano, his career doesn't look like it does. But the risk of typecasting was really present. He was immediately cast. The first thing we all saw him in was Enough Said, opposite Julia Louis-Dreyfus, a romantic comedy. He then does, And also he's going to be in The Drop with Tom Hardy. They're both released in 2013 and really highlighted his range with the former giving fans a glimpse of the vulnerability and humor and romantic dramedy and the latter showing another side of the tough guy persona. What that was bread and butter. I want to point out that enough said. Have you seen this film? I have. It's an incredible movie. It and is it sort of slipped by as the last, uh, you know, movie of James Gandolfini, and people don't think of it as important, but it's actually really great because Julia Louis Dreyfus was also sort of breaking out of the Elaine typecasting yep. from Seinfeld, and they're both doing something entirely different. It's sort you, of a dramedy, and the, it's wonderful. There, there was a lot of skepticism when the previews for this movie, Enough Said, started coming out. And Gandolfini, who we all only knew as The Sopranos, maybe it. some folks from Get Shorty Days, only knew as, as Tony Soprano, and he's now doing a romantic comedy where he's he's playing sort of a caring dude. Yes. Now there's a lot of, there's some conflict in the movie and and that sort of thing, but he plays a caring guy. And there were a lot of people that were skeptical going into this. He was fantastic. And the reviews of his role, his work in that movie are really, really strong. Yeah. He started to emerge as a leading man in another sense. You always knew he could be a mafia boss and he could have done that basically for the entirety of his life. He would have always been cast in roles like that, but to do a romantic uh, leading role with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and pull it off, it truly was incredible. And I think he was poised to actually catapult into a different realm of stardom where he yeah. could be up there with other leading men. Now, he doesn't have the never had the looks of like a George Clooney and yeah. Brad Pitt, but he really pulled it off. And so I the was real impressed. lost opportunity, of course, is he filmed, he was cast as the lead in the movie, the, the television show The, the Night Of, the series. Uh, it ended up starring John Turturro. This is a huge show on Netflix. On HBO? HBO. Yeah. Huge show on HBO. Right, of course, HBO. A huge show on HBO. You and I both watched it at the time it came out. It ends, again, John Turturro. It deals with, uh, he's the defense lawyer representing a wrongly accused uh, young man of of murdering a woman. It's a really fantastic show. I think it's sort of gotten lost in the in the discussion of the great shows it, of the mid-last mid, mid last decade. It has. It comes out in, in around 2016, 2017. It launches sort of the new era of prestige yeah. television. Remember, The Sopranos launched what is the golden age Right. Of, of prestige TV. That's what gives you sort of the Breaking Bads and the Mad Men. All those spawn from The Sopranos. Then this limited series, Night Of, now spawns a new era of these limited series prestige projects. Now you have White Lotus. You have all of these, right, these short-run episode episodes. Episode episodes eight, episode and arc. Night Of was on the leading edge of that. So Turturro was phenomenal in the role. Yeah. He's a great actor in his own right. But it's it's fun to imagine what that show would have been like with Gandolfini at the helm. And interestingly, it would have been a bigger show because he would have brought the name of, of Gandolfini, his first first big cable project comes out on HBO. Yes. It would have been a, the, the night I did quite well, but it was all through word of mouth that it got there. I think it would have had a bigger debut had Gandolfini been a, a, in, the, in the starring role. As much as I love Turturro, the thought of Gandolfini, what he could yeah. bring to that role because he had a bit of a hulking presence. John Turturro is very tall and yep. lean. He doesn't bring the same amount of menace to a project. Uh, he was great in the role, but the you, mind You reels. actually educated me in, in preparation for this podcast that he was cast in that role, and I love it. I mean, a big thing of it was 
was was uh, Turturro's body was falling apart. His feet were falling apart. And I just yeah. love the idea of Gandolfini playing that role. Absolutely. So his son, uh, Michael, who we said had been with his father when he passed away, ends up reprising the role of Tony Soprano in the 2021 crime drama The Many Saints of Newark, which was co-written by David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, and served as sort of a prequel to the hit series. Uh, it focused on Tony as a teenage boy. He's thrust into a violent gang war during the 1960s. Now, this project you're familiar with, you were a big fan of The Sopranos, so you were first to sort of watch this. It didn't quite work, but I will say Michael showed some acting chops. He did. You know why the movie didn't work ultimately? Why? It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's a good it, reason. It just did. It was yeah. just poorly written. It was poorly conceived. The whole thing was bad. I was so excited to see it because yes. I'm a big fan of The Sopranos. Uh, and, you know, I actually binged watch. I was out with my foot surgery. I binge watched all six seasons of The Sopranos. And I was going to call end it all by watching the prequel. And good God, was that disappointing. Let me ask you a question. Was it the absence of Gandolfini that the that the project was The project was never going to have. I mean, it, it, was, it was set uh, 30 the years, 20 years in the, in the 30 years in the in the past and so Gandolfini wouldn't have played for it sure I mean it needed that it was just it didn't look ill-conceived it, it was it was poorly executed I don't know maybe not ill-conceived poorly executed anyway I was I was super disappointed that yeah. would bum me out a lot well what do you think Derek we, we've got Tony Soprano where how does he fit into the American genre the American Italian mob genre how does that character fit in I think he's right up there with the biggies and maybe even Arguably the most important. Oh, I'll tell you why. I'll okay. tell you why. So we're talking Vito Corleone, the whole Corleone. Michael, yeah. you've got Henry Hill from Goodfellas, you've got Tommy DeVito from Goodfellas. You've got these archetypal characters in these films by greats. I mean, right. you're talking about Well, De Niro's played in three different movies, you know. Yes. You got Casino and and uh, Goodfellas and The Godfather, obviously you got De Niro yeah. in all three. All of them indelible. But I think with Michael and Vito, you have sort of menace and this Machiavellian strategy. Those guys are scary. They're scary for reasons that they feel like they're playing chess, uh, a very dangerous game of chess where anyone can die at any moment. There's all about loyalties. Then you have sort of the Sonny Corleones and the Tommy DeVitos who are crazy. They're hotheads. Yeah. What I love about Tony Soprano is he's all of them. Yeah. He's all of them because the series lasted so many seasons that you got to see so many different facets. He could kill people at the drop of a hat, but he could cuddle up with uh, his daughter, Meadow yeah. Soprano, and go to go to see her like in a in a school play. Yeah. He was everything. He was working things out with the therapist. There was vulnerability. He was a rounded human in a way yeah. that these movie characters couldn't really be. It's one of these things that you, you see all the time in movies where the character, although he's a villain, you can't help but root for him. And I think that's different. That was different for, for Tony Soprano, largely because of the format. You had all of these hours. You had six seasons. You had 60-plus hours of television to watch of Tony Soprano where you got you know four total hours of Michael Corleone. But Michael Corleone was terrifying. He yes. was terrifying. Every aspect of Corleone was terrifying. Tony Soprano could be terrifying. He was a ruthless killer when he wanted to be. But I really do, and we talked about this earlier, the, the best parts about that television show were him trying to deal with his kids and being completely sort of unable, unable to do it because he couldn't bring the same heavy-handedness to deal with a business dispute that he would bring to his kids. Just, just You think about it. Michael Corleone, I'll leave you with this. The critical scene in The Godfather is when he shuts Kay out, Yes, right? He is business, and that is pleasure, and the worlds aren't supposed to meet. So, often regarded as the greatest scene in movie history when he closes the door on Kay. Tony Soprano, open the well, door. You're in Car there with Carmella. Carmella, what about coming and open the door for her? She's not going to be That's it. So I, I, I sort of think they stand in sharp contrast. They're both amazing, yeah. but what an incredible character. So, so let's yeah. raise a glass to yeah. James Gandolfini. Let's raise a glass to James Gandolfini. 